Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. I hope y'all stayed away from that Texas minus 17 line that Bet Online had. I told y'all that Iowa State had not lost a conference game by 17 points since 2016. And Vegas definitely tried to take advantage of all the Kool Aid that was flowing, saying that Texas would win by 17 points. So, um, hope y'all just enjoyed the Texas win and, and stayed away from that. And if y'all took texas to win by 17 i respect uh, your faith in this football team and sorry you lost your money and i know nobody listening to this took iowa state to win outright at least i hope you didn't it's also the best season of the year playoff baseball season shout out to the san diego padres and my favorite player in the league manny machado as you can see if you're watching on youtube i got the og padre jersey on it's a manny machado jersey and i got the yankee hat on you know i let y'all bully me and to stop wearing the Yankee, you know, especially the Astros fan. But I live in Houston. I, I root for the Astros. I'm a Rangers fan. And I will be rooting for the Astros to go to the World Series and win it unless it's against the Padres. I want to see a, a, a parade in Houston. Uh, but I am rooting for the Yankees to get to the ALCS so we can see that Yankee-Astro uh, matchup. That should be really good, even though the Astros dominated it this year. So, you know, I'll get back to talking about the Longhorns and, and football season. But definitely excited for playoff baseball. If you're watching playoff baseball, let me know in the comments. Uh, who you rocking with, even though most of our, I know most of y'all are, are going to be rocking with the Astros, as you should be. So I want to talk about the, the five-star culture versus five-star players comment that was made by Brees Hall in 2020 in relation to what happened uh, on Saturday as we talk about this Texas and Iowa State game. And then I want to talk about the rat poison, which Quinn Ewers and, and Sark admitted may have gotten into the program this week. And it was hard to ignore everything people were saying about Texas this week. So, you know, I understand that. And then we're going to talk about some themes that I saw. And then we're going to go really kind of like through some specific drives and plays that uh, accentuate those themes. We're going to talk about, you know, Sark's best play calls, uh, you know, key third downs and, and fourth downs on the offensive and defensive sides. Really the, the plays and decision making um, that won the game for Texas and lost the game for Iowa State. But first, let's get into the five-star players versus five-star culture comment that was made in 2020 by Brees Hall after they had beaten Texas for the second time in a row. And I can't lie. I wanted to come out here and just bury that narrative. I wanted to just dig into it, but you know, the five-star culture showed up again on Saturday as Iowa state almost beat Texas on the road. And some would make the argument that Iowa state outplayed Texas, but Texas got a great win. You have to win your clunkers. You have to win when you're not at hundred percent and Texas was definitely not at hundred percent but they still found a way to win. And when you look at it at the end of the season, it's just going to be a W in the win column. So that's all that matters. I can't say that Brees Hall or Brees, you know, wasn't wrong or he wasn't gangster when he said that five-star culture beats five-star players because he went three and zero against Texas, right? Texas never gave him a reason to retract that or take it back. But what I will say, it was always flawed and kind of stupid <laughs> to be honest, to begin with, because Players win football games. I think culture gets you in the building. Like culture ensures that players are playing for the right reasons. I think culture is important. If your goal is to upset a few teams in the Big 12 or for a program like Iowa State where the bar was literally in hell before Matt Campbell got there. I mean, you know, just him taking them to a middle-of-the-pack Big 12 team, a Big 12 championship appearance, or being in the top half of the Big 12 would be most teams Super Bowl. So I think that culture is important in that regard. But let's not downplay the fact that players, specifically five-star players, win football games. And if Iowa State had 
some of the five-star players that Texas had on Saturday against Iowa State. They win that game. Not even five-star players. When you look at it, if Iowa State had Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, and Charlie Collar, there's a much greater chance that they win that game on Saturday. And we could talk about five-star culture versus five-star players all day long. We could start, you know, talk about culture all day long. Like I said, culture gets you in the building. But last year, Iowa State had, they were 48th in total offense. This year, they're 87th. Before the game, they were 93rd. Last year in scoring offense, Iowa State was 43rd in the country. Now they're 103rd. It's not because they don't have five-star culture anymore. It's because they lost Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, and Charlie Collar, arguably the three best players at their positions in the history of Iowa State football. And so now that Iowa State has four losses this season and a sub-500 record, and they keep losing these games, but, oh, they're so close. Oh, they're right there. Matt Campbell has them in every game. Would you rather have five-star culture or would you rather have Quinn Ewers? Would you rather have five-star culture or would you rather have B. John Robinson? Would you rather have your five-star culture or would you rather have J.T. Sanders? And would you rather almost be there and play hard and have respect? Or would you rather have the sub-500 record you have now and no longer be in contention for a Big 12 title like Texas is? Texas may not have five-star culture just yet, but they have five-star players. It's probably the main reason they beat the Iowa State Cyclones on Saturday. We talked last week about the rat poison, not falling victim to the rat poison. And it was inevitable that there was going to be some drop-off. They weren't going to play with the same intensity that they played with against West Virginia. They weren't going to play with the same intensity that they played with against Oklahoma. Oklahoma is your biggest rival. Of course, you're going to get up for that game. We've seen them get up for that game when – Texas was significantly worse than they are this year. And I don't think this is a bad team, but we've seen bad Texas teams step into the Cotton Bowl and and look like they belong, right? It's just that type of game, which was so surprising that Oklahoma went in there and got shut out. But we've talked about that enough. All week we heard, and I I can't remember anything like this, the the way that people jumped on the Texas bandwagon. A two-loss team has never made the playoffs, yet all week we heard that Texas was going to be the first team to do it with six games left on their schedule at least. We heard that this Texas team definitely would be undefeated if Quinn Ewers never got hurt. We heard that this is definitively a top-10 team in the country. We heard that I said Quinn Ewers was a top-five quarterback in college football. Some people said he was the best quarterback in college football. There were so many things that came out this week that it was inevitable, like John Garcia said, that 18 and 19 year olds were going to start to feel themselves. And you had to see that in the effort on Saturday against Iowa State. And I don't mean effort in terms of they weren't given 100 percent. But I think the product on the field was not that of the one that we saw the last two weeks. It looked more like the Texas Tech effort where we lost, but we were able to pull out a win at home against Iowa State. But like I said, I wouldn't call you crazy if you said that Iowa State outplayed Texas on Saturday and it came down to a few plays. And Sark came out and and, and said as much, you know, that that may have been a factor. Quinn Ewers came out and said, you know, as when people are singing your praises all week and and you feel like the man, there's naturally going to be a drop off there. And that happened. I'm glad. and, And this is a point that Texas Homer made. I know 
if y'all haven't subscribed to Texas Homer, most of y'all have on YouTube, please do. He's one of the best content creators in college football, um, and he makes content for our Longhorns. We're definitely blessed in that regard. One point he made in our group chat was that we're he was glad that this letdown came against Iowa State, a team that you're still talented enough to beat even when you don't play your best game before the stretch of Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and TCU. Because I think if you play with the effort – and the energy that you did on Saturday against Iowa State, you can lose more than one of those games, any one of those games, or all three of those games if you don't show up to play. And I think now this Texas team knows that they can't play with that type of effort in any of these rest of these games, these five games, and win. And you have a tough game in Stillwater against Oklahoma State. The next game after that, after the bye, is a tough game in Manhattan, Kansas, against Kansas State. And I think they saw – on Saturday, what happens when they don't show up with their fastball, when their fastball is not working, right? You have to go for it on fourth now to win a game that you're down by four points late in the game. Now, they came out with the win. They won their clunkers, you know, as, as people like to say. And so we'll talk about the specifics of the game and, and what really came down to, to winning and losing as far as the football and the X's and O's. But one thing Texas knows is that they cannot play like they did against Iowa State if they want to make the Big 12 championship game on December 3rd. A quick word from BetOnline because BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline where the game starts. For all your real estate needs in the Austin area, make sure you're visiting www.longhornrealestateteam.com because in a changing more complex market, you need to work with the top professionals in Austin and our data and information driven approach gives our clients of significant advantage. Decades of experience in all market conditions make us able to achieve the best results for our clients and our clients for years have outperformed the market, leveraging our proprietary research information and expertise, which is now more important than ever. Hill Country Mortgages and Dwell in Austin have combined to make your long-term real estate team. And for all your real estate needs in the Austin area, make sure you're visiting the www.longhornrealestateteam.com, Hill Country Mortgages, LLC, NMLS 2324262, Jonathan Sarver, NMLS 993872, equal housing opportunity. All right, so we're going to talk about the defense first, um, and then we're going to talk about the offensive side of the ball. And I thought that the defense played well. Um, it kind of looked concerning that they gave up so many third downs and, and fourth downs, kind of reminiscent of the Texas Tech game. Iowa State was 10 for 16 on third and fourth down. Uh, but I, I thought that I was concerned. I didn't see, and I don't have the blitz rates in front of me, but after the Tech game, when you looked at the blitz rates, PK did not blitz Tech as much as he did the first four games on the schedule, especially Bryce Young. They blitzed Bryce Young over 30% of the time. At the time of the Texas Tech game after it, they had their lowest blitz rate of the season. And it didn't look like they blitzed them a lot on Saturday. And I thought that that's why the Iowa State offense, all granted, they only scored 21 points. But they were a little more comfortable than I thought they should have been. And I'm not sure what PK saw on film or why he did not want to blitz Hunter Decker more than he did. But nonetheless, when we look at this defense in totality after seven games, Texas being five and two, they're 37th in yards allowed all offseason. We said we wanted a top 60 defense. They're 20th in points allowed, top 20 in, in points allowed. As John Garcia said, that's the most important stat. 
and they're 46th in sacks. Now, I know they probably would be top 20 in pressure rate, so it's kind of concerning that they're only 46th in sacks, but, you know, they are in the top half. This defense has outperformed all of our expectations and what we thought they would do coming into the season, so we have to give PK credit. But I, I did think it was a little weird that he didn't blitz as much as he did. Um, let's talk about so some of the defensive plays. I want to talk about that first touchdown for Iowa State. This is for them to go up seven to zero. I didn't have a problem with this. I when I went back and watched it this morning, to me it was just excellent play design. So they had Noel. He's going to motion uh, across the formation to let the quarterback know if it's man or zone coverage. They see it's in man coverage, and Noel is going to motion all the way across the formation, and then. Keaton Crawford. So this was another weird thing. They had a lot of defensive substitutions, and I feel like our big plays uh, came either when we had substitutions, big plays given up, either came when we had substitutions or when we had like injury substitutions or like defensive substitutions. So for some reason, Keaton Crawford's in the game <laughs> in the red zone. No disrespect to Keaton Crawford, but he's not a starter. I don't know why Keaton Crawford was in the game. Noel motions all the way across and just keeps running like he's running like a speed out you know, type of route. So, of course, naturally, like Keaton Crawford is man coverage, he opens up his hips and runs towards him. As soon as Keaton Crawford opens up his hips, Noel just breaks it back inside and he's wide open for a touchdown. It looks worse than it was on, like, the replay and um, just the play period because you're not really understanding, okay, who was supposed to be where and everything. But the more I looked at it, it's just a, a bad situation. I think it's more great scheme and, and play calling by the Iowa State side to get one of your shiftier receivers in one-on-one -on -one coverage in the red zone with no help against a backup safety. Like I said, I don't know why Keaton Crawford was in the game, uh, but I can't blame the defense for that. I think that's more of an anomaly that, you know, you're going to have one of their shiftiest receivers one-on-one -on -one with Keaton Crawford. I'm not sure how much we're going to see, how much more we're going to see that matchup throughout the season. So I thought the first seven, I give more credit to Iowa State for that than I give blame uh, to Texas. In the second quarter, there's a, a key drive on the drive where Hunter Decker throws the interception to Jalen Ford, which might come back to be, you know, hindsight is 2020, one of the biggest plays of the game. But I really want to talk about the play before that, uh, because I thought, you know, we don't talk about him enough. And when we do talk about him, it's, you know, maybe being a little disappointed, you know, maybe feeling like he's left something on the bone. I thought Alfred Collins made one of the biggest plays of the game. So, uh, the ball is on either the three or the four yard line. It's going to be second and three at this point. And Iowa State is already up 7-0. They're going in to try to make it 14-0 or 10-0 at the least. And it's second and three. And Alfred Collins bursts through the offensive line and makes a huge tackle for loss that makes it third and six. I think if he even just gets back to the line of scrimmage and it's third and three, I think that they run the ball either with the running back or try to run it with Hunter Decker. Um, or anything, but what they were forced to do on third and six was made it an obvious passing down, and then PK kind of calls a, a matchup zone. Uh, the running back stays into block. This is on third and six, so Jalen Ford kind of just does what he's supposed to do, continues to drop into his zone coverage, and Hunter Decker just made the dumbest throw of the game and threw a ball into triple coverage that Jalen Ford easily intercepted. Now Texas comes down, and they score seven points on that drive, and that turns into a 10-14 to 14 point swing. Like I said, Iowa State could have went up 10-0 or 14-0. Next thing you know, it's 7-7. Seven to seven. So um, I thought those were two huge plays by the defense. Of course, the Jalen Ford interception. But we have to highlight Alfred Collins for making it a third and six by getting uh, that big 
tackle for loss on, on second down and putting them in an obvious passing um, situation. I thought either this was going to be in the second quarter or the third quarter. There was a huge sack by Mora Ojimo. He's really flashed this year, and I think it's great because he came out and called out the team. You know, so a lot of people are looking at him like, what are you going to do? I mean, he's been great. He had a huge sack. Might have been the only sack of the day uh, to set up a missed field goal. So this is in the third quarter. And I thought Iowa State did a really good job of moving the pocket around for Hunter Decker. Right. They understand that this is a Texas defense that gets a lot of pressures and can wreak havoc. And, and maybe this is why PK didn't blitz as much, because they were continuously moving the pocket um, and doing a lot of RPOs and play actions. And this Texas run defense is elite. So I'm not sure why they were biting so hard on, on RPOs and, and play actions. But, you know, it happens. The second touchdown. So this is going to make it 14. I think this makes it 14 to 17. So Texas is up 17 to seven at this point. Texas goes man coverage across the board. They fake the, the RPO. And for some reason, talk about defensive substitutions. Michael Taft, love him to death. He brought Arch Manning to Texas, but there's a reason he's not a starter. Michael Taft is already kind of in the box. He bites down to stop the run. Once again, I don't understand why the safeties bite down so hard when they're a great run defense. <laughs> it's almost like they thought they were defending B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson. Anthony Cook, he's playing higher and he bites down halfway to the line of the scrimmage. And at first I'm thinking like, okay, maybe there's a tight end coming underneath or something that he thought he had to cover, but it's literally a two man route. He bites all the way down and Noel is in man coverage on Austin Jordan because Ryan Watts is out of the game at this point. He had already had that stinger and Decker severely like, I want to say severely, but throws it high, high enough to where he could have missed it. Noel goes up and gets it, makes a great catch. And it's just one-on-one man coverage. He was already beat. He had the step and Noel scores. And so you're not going to count on, you know, we'll see on Ryan Watts injury status, but you're not going to count on Austin Jordan to be one-on-one with no safety help. Now it was no safety help because the safety's bit, but you're not going to count on Austin Jordan too often to be one-on-one against really good receivers, you know, with nobody over the top. And so they gave up that touchdown and made it 17, 14 Texas over Iowa state. But again, to me, that's an anomaly. That's not something that I can say, this defense is giving up every week, right? That's something that, you know, like I said, Austin Jordan is not going to be in that position too much. And still at the end of the day, the stat that matters the most is they gave up 21 points. So I thought that was more of situation than anything, that second touchdown uh, to Noel. And then there were some third downs towards the end of the game. I told you that PK didn't blitz as much was really surprising. So it was a key third and eight at the end of the third quarter and they don't blitz at all. And don't put any pressure on Hunter Decker. They rush four, and Terrence Brooks gives up an 18-yard pass to Dimitri Stanley. Then the same drive, there's a third and 13. They don't blitz on this one, and it's a 21-yard reception to Hutchinson. Um, Xavier Hutchinson was zone coverage. with Jar- Jaron Thompson was the closest defender. Third and 13, they don't blitz. They give up a 21-yard pass. Now, it looked like Brooks was supposed to get more depth. Uh, him and the linebacker both challenged the flat receiver which allowed Xavier Hutchinson to get in behind him and in front of Jaron Thompson so that might have been Terrence Brooks he's a true freshman I don't think he had a great game and it's also why I think you know a lot of the stuff that happened on Saturday as far as the conversions and giving up easy passes was more about the personnel their lack of experience and just them having to move people around and something that we're going to see from this defense week after week and then on the same drive Third and nine. So this is the third, third and eight plus on this drive. They don't blitz again. And Hunter Decker runs in for an 11 yard touchdown. We've seen this Texas team blitz a lot this year. In most of their games, they've been 
um, at least a 22 to 25 percent or more blitz rate. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they definitely didn't blitz that much on Saturday. And I thought, um, you know, Hunter Deckers is not that good. And I don't get why they refused to put pressure on him and um, didn't do enough to, you know, make him uncomfortable, you know, in the game outside of a, a few plays that he really gave up on his own. And then uh, on the last drive, there was a third and five, which was great matchup zone by Jalen Ford. I thought that Hunter Decker made the wrong read and should have thrown it to the running back, but he threw it to the tight end. They make it a fourth and two. So on the fourth and two, I don't understand this as well. Fourth and two, they're going to blitz finally uh, and put some pressure on the key down. But they have, you know, because they're blitzing, they have man coverage across the board. But Anthony Cook is playing like he's a too high safety, but he has man coverage down on the line of scrimmage. So the slot receiver is going to go in motion and he's going to come back down. And when he comes back down, Anthony Cook is going to charge down to the line of the scrimmage because the receiver is going to run a quick out. So Anthony Cook has to get down there and stop him from getting two yards and man coverage. But because he's 10 yards off the line, when the ball is snapped, he has to shoot down like a missile to get to his coverage responsibility. In the process, he runs into Jalen Gilbo, knocks Jalen Gilbo down, and Xavier Hutchinson gets wide open for, what is it, 15 yards on fourth and two? When if he's playing him straight up, I know you're trying to disguise the coverage, but at some point you just got to line up and beat people. If he doesn't disguise that, I think Jalen Gilbo stays tight with Xavier Hutchinson and the game might end right there, you know, or Texas has a chance to, to run out the clock after that. So I don't understand if, if that's being coached to them to, to play 10 yards off the safeties when they're playing man in, in blitz coverage. But I think at that point, Anthony Cook has to get down on the line of the scrimmage and, and press his receiver and win that one-on-one -on -one matchup. And I think if he did that, Jalen Gilbo would have been able to win his one-on-one -on -one matchup against Xavier Hutchinson instead of being knocked down and Texas giving up a crucial fourth down conversion that could have won Iowa State the game. And then after that, there's a complete zone coverage bust on first and 10. And Xavier Hutchinson runs all the way down the field, one of the best receivers in the country. We talk about this all the time, at least in the group chat, about how sometimes Xavier Worthy unnecessarily jumps to catch passes. And I think Xavier Hutchinson kind of did the same thing. He unnecessarily jumped. He's wide open. I think he could catch that pass and juke. You know, Jaron Thompson, if not, they're on the eight, seven yard line, you know, down by three with four minutes to go. And he just made a crucial drop, probably the biggest drop of his career. Uh, he catches it, comes down to the ground too hard and, and drops it. But then on third and 10, he makes up for it uh, with a 20 yard completion on the soft zone because they don't blitz. So I thought it was confusing, um, you know, that PK didn't blitz enough. I don't think that Hunter Deckers is somebody that should scare you when you don't blitz him. And, and I'm questioning why in two games against Hunter Decker and Donovan Smith for Texas Tech, Texas has blitzed them the least. Like, I, I would think if you're comfortable blitzing Bryce Young 30% of the time, then you should be comfortable blitzing Hunter Decker and Donovan Smith, you know, 20% of the time, 25% of the time. But, you know, PK gets paid, gets paid to do his job, and I just get paid to talk about it. You know, and then, of course, after that, you have the, the targeting slash fumble call. They ruled it a fumble. And Anthony Cook came back and, and made the biggest play of the game defensively outside of the Jalen Ford interception. So this is a defense that's top 20 in scoring. They're giving up outside of the Texas Tech game. 21 points is the most points they've given up. They've given up 20 in three of the other games and 10 in one of the other games. And they shut out Oklahoma. So I'm not worried about this defense at all. I think there was a few things to clean up, but I think it was more about substitutions and, and PK not blitzing as much as he usually should. Now I want to get into uh, the offensive side and, uh, for my last segment, but quick, you know, first a quick word, <laughs> excuse me, from Simply Safe. The numbers don't lie, and the
last decade, Simply Safe. Over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe Home Security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe in my own home. They protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on college to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So I thought that. Quinn Ewers didn't have a great game, but what I think is more important is that Quinn Ewers didn't lose you the game. Uh, when you look at it, you can say that Hunter Decker lost them the game, even though he had better stats. And some would say outside of those two turnovers, he was more effective than Quinn Ewers. So although Quinn Ewers wasn't great, he didn't lose Texas the game, which is great, especially at this stage in his career. And I think Sark knew early on that Quinn Ewers necessarily didn't have it. And so he didn't put too much responsibility on Quinn Ewers. And we're going to go through some key drives and key plays um, that highlight that the first fourth and three, I thought it was a great play call. And you could tell when the play call comes in on fourth down and three yards to go, Quinn Ewers kind of makes a face like that's what we're running on fourth and three man coverage across the board. One of the best man beaters there is the slot fade. Casey Kane runs the slot fade. Of course uh, they're looking at, Xavier Worthy and, and Jordan Whittington and a receiver, a wide receiver has not caught a pass for the Texas Longhorns, not named Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington since the Texas Tech game. I understand why they'd be looking at them. You get the one-on-one matchup you want, one-on-one coverage, slot fade, one of the best man beaters there is to Casey Kane, and Quinn Ewers just misses him. You know, he 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 throws it, it goes far to the left, and he could have just put it in the bucket. You know, Casey Kane runs in for a touchdown, huge momentum boost. So I thought, you know, Quinn Ewers missed him uh, early. On the second touchdown, um, they got a nice little play action to hit Worthy on the corner route. But I want to talk about what B. John Robinson did on that drive. So this is the drive uh, before halftime to – no, this isn't the drive before halftime. This is the drive. So on the first touchdown, okay, they had a nice play action pass to hit Worthy on the corner route. This is the drive before halftime where they get 14 from Jordan Whittington, excuse me. So – 68 out of 80 yards, B. John Robinson got himself. He had a big run of 25 yards. He had a third down catch for three yards to move the chain. He had a seven-yard run. He had a three-yard run to move the chains again. He had a four-yard run. Then he had a 26-yard reception on a post route. And then they faked the ball to B. John and hit Whittington on the RPO score. So B. John Robinson was definitely the best player uh, on the field yesterday. And I thought that drive before halftime where he got 68 out of the 80 yards, they just rolled him like they did in the TCU game last year. And he proved why he's the best running back in the country and one of the best offensive players in the country, period. So in the third quarter, there definitely was that bad drop uh, by Casey Kane that stalled a drive after Iowa State scored. So I think that's after they made it 17 to 14. Uh, they could have came right back and, you know, made it 24 to 14 with Casey Kane. But, you know, he dropped the pass. And whether it's because you know, he's not used to people coming to him, you know, he doesn't get a lot of targets or he, it's just a bad drop. I don't want to make excuses for it. Uh, but I did think, you know, a lot of people were really down on Casey Kane after the game. And, you know, Texas won. People have bad games. So I think we have to show him a little more leniency. Um, than we did, especially some of the tweets I saw. <laughs> you know, some people were talking about Casey Kane needing to hit the transfer portal. I didn't think it was that serious, you know, especially after Texas won. 
uh, on their last touchdown drive, I want I want to skip to the last touchdown drive. I thought the O line absolutely dominated, and I thought they were shaky in the beginning of the game. We know this hasn't been a great run blocking team, but on their last touchdown drive. Texas had runs of 14, 14, and 16 on one drive. That's 44 plays. That's 44 yards on three rushing plays in the last drive. The O-line, absolutely dominant. And I loved how Sark stuck with uh, the run. Like I said, Quinn Ewers was not at his best uh, on Saturday against Iowa State. He had the missed uh, deep ball to Casey Kane, the post route to B. John Robinson. That ball was high. B. John made a great play to go up and get it and make sure that was a completion. And then he had the weird play to JT Sanders where he throws the ball away but throws it backwards. And literally he has the wherewithal to get on it. Otherwise, that's a fumble for Iowa State, and they may come down uh, and score and increase their lead. So he just was a little off, you know, and and I think Sark saw that early and and stuck with the run game and made sure that the run game was the focus when it could be. Um, And on that last touchdown drive, including the touchdown pass to Xavier Worthy on fourth and three, Nine of those 11 plays, Sark ran the ball. So sometimes you could talk about conservative play calling versus aggressive play calling, but most of the time play calling is about feel. He knew his quarterback didn't have it. He knew B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson were dominating on the way to, I think, 240, 250 combined scrimmage yards, and he let them carry them on that drive, literally with nine out of 11 plays being run plays on that drive. The best play call from Sark of the day to me, although I really love the fourth and three, uh, slot fade to Casey Kane that that Quinn Ewers missed him on. That didn't get executed. This one got executed. So all drive, they're running up and down their throats. And it's a third and six. You have to convert this and you have to at least get some yards because if you have to go for it on fourth down, you need a touchdown at this point. You're down 21 to 17. If you don't get uh, this play, if you don't execute this play, if you don't get the first down, right? And what Sark does is – he tricks Iowa State before the snap. So he comes out here with the four receiver set, really the first four receiver set I had saw during the game, maybe in weeks. And he has Tariq Milton, Ajay Hall, Xavier Worthy, and Jordan Whittington all spread out in a four receiver set. He also has no tight ends on the field. So if you're the Iowa State defense, of course you're thinking it's third and six, no tight ends on the field. Bijan's probably going to pass protect. We got four receivers out. Right, they're, they're going to try to pass and get this third and six. So what does Sark do? They all back up in zone coverage, trying to count, you know, trying to cover these four receivers all over the field. But that was all window dressing. The play was a screen pass to Bijan Robinson. But Sark comes out in a four receiver set to make the defense, you know, drop eight, thinking that a pass play is coming. And they hit a simple, you know, screen pass underneath to Bijan Robinson to get the six yards and give them a fresh set of downs. I thought it was a crucial uh, play call by Sark at the biggest point in the game. Um, at that point and you could tell that four receiver set definitely threw Iowa State off and and when they threw the underneath uh, screen pass to B. John Robinson there was nobody there he easily uh, got six yards so I thought that was an outstanding play call by Steve Sarkeesian and then the next biggest play of the game fourth down and three this is just Sark knowing what he's going to get before the snap and putting his position his players in a position to execute and you know, creating mismatches and, and doing what he does best. We have one of the best offensive minds in the nation, and it showed up on this fourth and three, the game went in play. If you don't score, you're looking at a four and three record with two conference losses, <laughs> and your path to the Big 12 championship game gets significantly tougher. So instead, um, he lines up. He knows he has Xavier Worthy uh, one-on-one on the outside, but he knows also that the safety is going to play inside leverage. Uh, but if he can get Xavier Worthy to the outside, he likes that matchup. So we talked about, you know, on the fourth and three earlier in the game, the slot fade uh, to Casey Kane, which is one of the best man beaters in football. 
probably the best man beating route in football is the whip route. And so to the left of the formation, you have three receivers on this side of the formation on the right to the left. You have Xavier worthy. You have a corner playing straight up and then you have a safety plan inside leverage. Xavier worthy is going to run inside like he's running a drag or a slant. The safety sits because he has inside leverage. And so he's playing the inside, right? The corner chases, you know, I'm not sure what he should have done. Hindsight is 2020. If he should have stayed outside and, and let the safety take him inside or, you know, what he was playing. But the corner chases Xavier where the inside. So the safety already has inside leverage. And now the corner is chasing Xavier where the inside. So now that outside where Xavier where he came from is vacated. And Sark knew all of this pre-snap. Xavier Worthy runs a perfect whip route, whips back around. And now nobody has outside leverage. Quinn Ewers, who was staring him down, you know, thankfully the safety didn't read it. Pitch and catch. Xavier Ruddy catches the ball. Texas wins 24 to 21, right? After the, the, the fumble in the, uh, the Xavier Hutchison uh, drop pass. So tough game, you know, for the Longhorns. Definitely a game that I thought they could have came out um, and did a little bit better than I thought they should have been able to beat Iowa State by 10 points. But none of that matters. Um, when you got a tough conference win against a team that had beat you three times in a row uh, and, you know, your five-star players showed up to get a win against the team with the five-star culture. But nonetheless, Iowa State played a great game. They showed a great effort and, you know, Texas just pulled out a tough win. And, and it's like Sark said, maybe in 2021, uh, this is a game you lose. So it definitely is showing a step in the right direction for the program and going into a tough game in Stillwater at 2.30 on Saturday against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. The Few mistakes we saw on the defensive side. I think, you know, PK is going to have to clean those up. I do expect we'll see more blitzing uh, against Spencer Sanders on Saturday than we did uh, against Hunter Decker this past Saturday. And I think on offense, we'll see them be a little more fluid. Quinn Ewers was just a little bit off. I think what from what we've seen him thus far, especially in the Alabama and uh, Oklahoma games thus far, he's a bit of a gamer. And I think he'll get up for this game a little bit more. This game being uh, definitely more daunting and more important. Um against Oklahoma State than he will for Iowa State. So I look for uh, Quinn Ewers to bounce back, but the, definitely the running backs carried us. You know, Keelan Robinson, he didn't get a touch. I don't know why he doesn't get more touches than he does, but uh, he had the big punt block early in the game, even though we didn't score on it. I'm going to need Anthony Cook and DeMarvin Overshone to get their communication together. Um, and then the running backs, like I said, they combined for almost 250 yards of scrimmage, you know, combined and on that last drive where they went ahead for good. Nine out of 11 runs. Bijan was doing his thing and Roshan came in the best running back in the country and the best backup running back in the country. Texas is five and two. We were five and seven last year. Let's get number six against Oklahoma State on Saturday. Hook them and peace.